You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here, so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so extra grateful to be here with you today for another episode of the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. We get to talk to Marilyn Vansel, Enneagram expert. She has been working with the Enneagram for 30 plus years, you guys, and she has not only her book, Self to Lose, Self to Find, but her new book coming out later this month, Beyond the Enneagram, if you're listening live October 2022. So we are here transitioning from seasons of life combo to as we hit the holidays in the next month, life with extended family and It is a rich conversation with Marilyn. I am so thankful. I'm actually extra thankful because we do a spiritual practice in this episode with you. And I got to drink it up the first time. And again, now as I listen, when I am literally recovering from the crazy time with Hurricane Ian in our town here. So grateful for the many who reached out with support, prayers, asking kind questions about whereabouts. We are safe and sound and no damage. So we were really fortunate and we were trying to be a support to others. I don't know if you guys remember me talking about Hurricane Irma and how I felt like leaving was the only option. It was my first hurricane at the time. But after I found out how hard it was on the road with that hurricane and how many people needed that road more than me, and then finding out that we were in a non-flood, non-evacuation zone really influenced me to stay. And I'm grateful that we were able to stay. Wes is out right now helping somebody with a down tree. Our generator has been given to them and, and it feels really good to be in that position. But I'm so with those of you who are just sad to watch this wreckage and in our neighborhoods and in our world. Unfortunately, a lot of people lost their homes during this time. And that was very hard to hear. Most particularly hard, I think, in this event was outside of wondering, are you going to be hit by a massive four to five level hurricane out of nowhere when it was predicted to be one, two or three? Um, Just after the fact, hearing that you know, a lot of your friends did not have Wi-Fi or power. You didn't know how anyone was. And then everybody generally that I knew was checking out okay. But then after the fact, there was all this flooding. And come to find out my dear friend, Anna Herzog, who I've talked about a lot on this podcast with her being my co-teacher, all these book clubs that you've ever heard me talk about, the books we've been reading through literature. Anna has been by my side, my ride or die, type nine, 
co-teacher. And last year she did the entire book club and she and her husband, Ryan and daughter Lily lost their home tragically on Thursday. So I was so sad and just devastated for them. But I do want to tell you that if you're looking for a way to support more directly, I've also shared Red Cross on our special Ian episode, but I am also sharing a GoFundMe for Anna and Ryan. And I'm going to have them on my podcast. I was planning on it next season, but actually I asked them, would you come on sooner and tell us your story? Because they have such a beautiful and redemptive marriage story. And now they can tell us more about this aspect and hopefully we can support them. So if you have the availability, I'm leaving their GoFundMe page up also as they rebuild. So thank you for your concern and thank you for holding with us through the uncertain times. I definitely noticed that even though the world culture isn't always together in terms of sometimes you tell people you're from Florida and they're like, ew, or yay. And I didn't feel that during this time. I just felt love and support. And I had a her birthday because it was the day after my birthday, but we were like hunkered down during my birthday. So thinking a lot about Psalm 27. And and like I said, just today's podcast is perfectly timed as I think about that because I'm aware that our time is borrowed and that it was by grace that I was in this position to be able to podcast today. And I'm just thankful with you and knowing it was by no merit of my own, but I'm just grateful and thankful. So I wanted to share that with you and to let you know that um, when when you're doing your work, it does matter because being able to stay is not always easy for a seven, but when you know that you're doing what is best when you know that whether you're staying or you're going, when you're listening internally, when you are watching and planning, but also releasing, that is the best we can do. And it's enough. So I feel peace about that. I felt peace the whole time about that, which was incredible to have God's peace through the crazy storm. We had um, a lot of fun, but I will tell you after it, I was like, I am so peaceful and not anxious. I'm almost worried that I'm not anxious. But then later in the middle of the night, I did wake up and I did have some post-reactivity, I guess you would say. This is crazy and lots of friends and family without their fullness. And then not only that, and see people's whole homes lost. I mean, it's just, it was a lot to process. So if you had any anxiety about it, I hope you're doing your work with anxiety too, to help yourself to know that you're safe as much as you can be and that that's enough. And I hope that you'll join Marilyn and I today for this episode. And honestly, turning the turning the uh, conversation a little bit, 50 years of marriage with Marilyn and realizing that her countenance has such energy and vibrance and just the joy of God and just seeing her in this thriving position is a great reminder for those of us who are like, oh no, I don't want to grow older with my spouse. What's going to happen? Like Marilyn is there to say like, like there's often a lot of wonderful times ahead if you commit to doing your work. So I'm very happy and thankful that you spent this time with us. And I hope that you'll just enjoy tuning in with me right now as we talk to her. Marilyn, we are so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage podcast. Thank you for coming. 
Well, I am delighted, honored. I look forward to this conversation because two of my favorite conversa- two topics, Enneagram and marriage, and <laughs> have to blend together. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm just like so happy for you because we were just chatting and Marilyn told me something very special about her marriage. Tell everybody. Yes. My husband, Jeff, and I, we met when we were, well, we got married when we were 21 young babies when I think about it and this past weekend we just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary and we had a church service and we reenacted part of our wedding we had 160 guests join us friends from I mean one of my bridesmaids to people current people in our lives our whole family our children our grandchildren spouses. And so I'm still glowing from that experience. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. That sounds incredible. I can see it on your face. Our audience is beaming with you that you are literally glowing because we're talking about the seasons of the glow in here you are telling us it is real, right? Yes. And it was such a good thing to remember, to look back and remember God's faithfulness, remember our faithfulness to each other, some of the struggles. We said words to each other. We wrote separately and told each other. We served We served communion to all of our guests. Oh. I mean, it, it was great. And then our kids put on a great little fun show for us. So <gasps> it was all of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you guys and your hub, hubby is Jeff, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. What yeah. are your Enneagram types? He is a social three, which I think of as, as a three, three, double three. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a one-to-one nine, which is also a double nine that has, you know, created dynamics in our relationship. Yeah. How fascinating as I put that complexity together with marriage. I love it. How many kids do you have? We have four children. We have 11 grandchildren from age 20 to five. So they are just the delight of our lives. And so, yeah, yeah, it's fun to see our kids living, you know, raising their families and doing a great job. And then we live close to every, all of them. So we get to see them. So it's great. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. They're pretty awesome human beings, all of them. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. And I love that you're the one to one nine and we know you love being near your people. So what a gift from the Lord for you to have that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think this weekend was a good demonstration. Our party was a good demonstration because a lot of the people there were part of Jeff's big group of ministry because he was in he was in young life for 30 years and continued so he had a call to ministry all the way through so a lot of people there were part of his big vision Mm -hmm. but then i was loving seeing everybody one-to-one and remembering oh yeah we did this with you we did this with you so we had it was a good demonstration of both of our gifts yeah that is that's your glow together that the big and the small like you guys together were able to curate depth and breadth. I mean, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about how you met as we get to share these um, years of looking back with you. Yeah. Well, we were at the end of our junior year in high school. We we lived about 40 miles apart and I was 
so we weren't at the same high school, yeah. but I was visiting a friend in his hometown that I met at cheerleading camp uh-huh. and we went to a public dance. They had those van with a live band yeah. and my friend Donna introduced me to Jeff who was looking at trying to kind of hustle some other girl that was there. But so I saw him and flirted and we danced and then we danced again and we danced again and we went for a ride you know, that was back in the cruising days. So we cruised around Longview and then he took me back to my car and we kissed. And we then didn't know if we'd ever see each other again, but I got his address from a mutual friend. So I was kind of the aggressor, actually. I wanted that one-to-one relationship to happen. And so we were apart for three years in different places. We have all the boxes of all the letters we wrote to each other back and forth. And we dated other people. Right. We were at different colleges. But then we ended up in Seattle together. And once we were in the same town, that was it. So, Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. The rest was history. The rest was history. We got married <laughs> for our senior year in college. I think my parents were a little bit like, really? But we did it. And here we are. <laughs> exactly. You knew. Yeah. We knew and it's been, it's been great. It's hard to believe it's 50 years really. Wow. And you look fantastic. I mean, I feel like you've had a lot of blessing and I know we're going to talk about some of the harder parts too, but it's neat. Like you said, to take that look back and see the good that is very hard for me to do. So this whole month we're talking about seasons of a relationship and it's been very good for us as a community. Cause of course me being a seven creates a seven sort of glow or overlay over the community. So we're taking the whole month together, lots of deep breaths to do this work with you. It's valuable, right? Tell us it's valuable. It is. It is so valuable, but you know, there were seasons that weren't, we weren't glowing. We were (laughs) struggling and there was, you know, lots of crashes and clashes between us. So, but we worked it out. Yeah. We continued to work it out. And I would say that one of the hallmarks of our marriage is that we both worked on our own wholeness, our own interior life mm-hmm. and had to become whole people because, you know, you come into a marriage as two unwhole people that you don't even know that you are, but you're bringing all the baggage and you don't know what you're coming up against. And so it gets triggered in an intimate relationship. So. Well, that's where your beautiful book comes in, which I love that it's due out October 18th. And we are so excited for Beyond the Enneagram with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, what inspired you to write this new Enneagram book. I know you've had other successful books too. Well, I had one other book on the Enneagram called Self to Lose, Self to Find. And it, you know, when I wrote that uh, and I first you know, self-published and I didn't know I was going to be jumping on a tidal wave that was coming in on the Enneagram. I thought, you know, I'm kind of a lone voice out there. And then all of a sudden I'll be, it just, here it is, you know? (laughs) So I, I got on my surfboard and I've been riding that wave, but, um, um, and then I didn't know if I wanted to write another book. I had something stirring in me. This was not some writing a book was not on my bucket list. It was not in my, um, long-term plan in life, but people kept saying, you ought to write a book. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to write a book. But actually Random House, the editor of Random House called me. Wow. Uh, which doesn't every author kind of want that? And I didn't even know if I wanted it. She called me, Karen, and said, can we republish Self to Lose, Self to Find, which I had done on my own. And then would you write another book? And I was like, well, I guess I could. 
So I didn't really, I wasn't sure because it's an arduous process. It doesn't come easy. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. I think COVID helped because I didn't have anything else that I could be doing. So (laughs) I had to hunker down and just write. And so, um, but I did have something I wanted to, I knew there was a message that I wanted to convey. And so when I was given the opportunity to write it, I thought, okay, Mm. okay, Mm. um, I'll do it. So it evolved over, it evolved because I wasn't sure where it was going, but I had an idea where it was going. Mm. when I started. So, wow. And I'm so glad I want our audience to know what a gift it was that as a nine, you stepped in and said, yes. And I also believe there are seasons as we're talking about this whole month and you're, you're really highlighting too, that you have to make choices because there are some things that are going to come your way that are not meant to be, even if they're lucrative. And so I like that for listeners to grapple with that of just because you're asked to do something doesn't mean you need to say yes, but you really do have so much wisdom. And here you have this beautiful life and then this open space that Mm -hmm. took courage, but I love that you stepped in. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, not without okay, I know what this takes. I know this is a very isolating process. So, um, but I'm proud of the book as it's turned out. I call it, as you read in the beginning, my pot of soup. You know, I just put a lot in there that has been nourishment for my soul Mm. over all these years and book, favorite books, favorite quotes, favorite, I I just threw it in the pot. Mm. And I hope it stirs and simmers and you now full of, of story, my stories and other people's stories that I meet with for spiritual direction. And so um, I'm proud of it. I'm, I'm ha- and I'm excited for, for it finally to be out in the world. It's been a long process. What a gift. I can't stop saying that because it's truly going to be that gift. And I think most of us hear about new Enneagram book, new Enneagram book, and yours, I just want readers to hear, has so many good nuggets from so many wonderful thinkers in the spiritual realm, and you've put it together with biblical truths and the Enneagram in a way that is when you say that you're a spiritual director, I think we really receive that, and I think we're even going to get to receive some of that today because we're going to do a bit of an exercise together, but I just want everybody listening to know that you really did put in a beautiful pot of soup and let it simmer. So it's not a fast read, which was also good for me. (laughs) Would you recommend most people take their time then since it took a while to put it together? Yeah, I would. Yeah. And it's not an Enneagram book. It's a, that's why it's called beyond the Enneagram. It's about the spiritual journey. And that's what my heart was is the Enneagram can easily become, or it has in some places or with some people like, okay, this is the answer. This explains everything about me. This explains everything about someone else. Mm -hmm. And there's a bigger story going on. So I, I even created a drawing, you know, a new picture, which was kind of a bold thing to do, really. Yeah. <laughs> and where does the Enneagram fit in this bigger story of God drawing us to the center? That mm-hmm. we are moving toward the center. So I even have new arrows mm-hmm. that go to the center, not around the circle. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I wanted to convey the bigger story of the spiritual journey, of transformation, moving from our authentic or our adapted self strategies to our 
um, authentic self manifestations, you know, how that, how we live in as our authentic selves. So in the middle. Wow. Yeah, that was very helpful to see the drawing. And I think our listeners will like to see that when they get the physical book, because it is, like you said, a new iteration. But I love how you just explained to us because it's beyond the Enneagram. It's where we have a dark night of the soul or we don't want to do the spiritual bypass. So we need to move from that adapted to the authentic self. And you're giving us the how. Um, And I was hoping that today we could even talk through one of the ways a little bit, the wounded to whole. Would that be okay? Yeah, sure. Sure. Oh my gosh. Well, tell us a little bit about what that uh, means for our listeners when we're walking from the wounded space to the whole space. This one really touched me. Okay. Well, and just a little uh, context is that the, the third, uh, third half of the book or third, I guess, <laughs> the mm-hmm. third section of the book is about the movements that we can experience, we will experience as we're moving towards the center, as more centered mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And so- one of them is this, we move from being wounded mm-hmm. to being whole. And that's part of our journey. And so we all are wounded and we don't, um, and we don't know how much those wounds trigger us in our current behaviors and our current reactions is those wounds have a voice and they've been stuck in us, you know, from childhood, from relationships, from trauma, and varying degrees of trauma that people have experienced and and we're wounded Mm -hmm. and we don't even really know it. And marriage, like I said earlier, marriage really brings that out (laughs) Um, our wounds. And we don't even know why this is bugging me and hurting me, but it's often, you know, traced back to some old wounds. And so this particular chapter is kind of a deep dive. Not all of them are quite this, okay, let's do a deep dive to your inner story, your inner life. And so it's big. But if we don't pay attention, if we're not willing to revisit those wounds, which is also takes a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes, you know, and you need help. You need a spiritual director. You need therapists. You need professionals. You know, we need people to help us guide us on that um, mm-hmm. journey, especially if the wounds are pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but that we're being invited to wholeness and part of that wholeness is recognizing those wounds, naming those wounds. Mm-hmm. And as I've experienced in spiritual direction is inviting Jesus, the presence of Jesus into that place of woundedness or revisiting a memory and just letting the spirit of God reframe it and soften it. Um, it, but it's big, it's a big, it's a big deal. It's a deep dive. It's not to be taken lightly. It's not like, oh, woohoo, I'm going to move from wounded to whole. That's great. You know, it's a journey. And I call it, you know, it's a pilgrimage. I have a chapter on, you know, this is a pilgrimage. It's one step at a time, sometimes two step backwards. Mm-hmm. It's circular, you know, a labyrinth type of experience, forward, backwards. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of courage to let your wounds come to the surface. Mm-hmm. They're there. Mm-hmm. And we covered them over because we had to survive as children. We had to survive as human beings mm-hmm. and that there's a place for that and a need for that. Mm-hmm. But then when you start seeing these same things, these patterns, these triggers, these re- reactions, you go, where the question is, where's is that coming from? Yeah. Where, where's the root of this wound? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so 
but it's an invitation to wholeness, which is such a beautiful one. Don't we all want to be whole? And and back to our original design of being whole and unwounded and oh. curious and open. Oh. Yeah. That, that was really. our original state. And we get to return. We have the opportunity, the invitation to return to more and more of that mm. and being free from those wounds. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I really enjoyed the analogy about Jesus, the woman here, as we learned about just it it struck me in a new, fresh way. And when a book can do that after years of going to, you know, grad school and undergrad with theology aspects at Wheaton, I just, you know, sometimes find myself looking for more of a topical Bible study so that I can just learn about anxiety or learn about leadership. And this was an invitation back in to see Jesus in a new way. And I was just so shocked by that invitation to that woman that, you know, where are your condemners? And okay. that was powerful for me to read. And I know that the listeners are picking up on just even the scene I'm setting up here of Jesus approaching a woman who was feeling her sin on her shoulders and then saying, where are the people condemning you? I'm not condemning you. And just reading that, I was sharing with my husband about your book. He and I were just like floored at the ways we can, you know, psychologically go through our drama triangles or whatever you want to call them, where we are stuck in victim stance. So I was wondering if you could maybe take us through a little imagery or an exercise for our listeners to be able to walk through a little piece of that knowing, like you said, this is a process. We're having to go through it slowly, but... The, the story is the woman being stoned. You know, she's brought in front of the adulteress is brought in front of all these people that want Jesus to condemn her. Mm-hmm. And what struck me as I even wrote that was that was not her original story. This was not her identity. This is not her true identity that she's an adulteress. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, and that Jesus invited her back into her truest self, her authentic self, go and sin no more, stop living it, not sin, like I'm condemning you, but Mm -hmm. go and be whole, go and be whole, you don't have to do that. So so I'd like to invite the listeners here to imagine themselves as the woman being accused, Mm -hmm. being pulled into front of an audience with accusers Hmm. who accuses you what accusation do you hear in your story that keeps that just kind of runs simmering below the surface what's a voice you know a voice or a memory or i think the word accuse accusation that comes up a condemnation you're not this you did this too much you are um, not enough you're too much you're all the things what do you hear i'm going to just give you a pause take a deep breath and just think of one accusation that that surfaces often against you And feel yourself like the woman, you're practically naked (laughs) and afraid and vulnerable with that accuser, the accusers wanting to just take you out. Mm -hmm. And imagine Jesus 
bending down in the dirt and you look down at what he writes and he says, I've got this. Trust me. And notice what your heart does, your body does, your mind does, knowing that Jesus sees you and knows you. And you can trust. He's not going, he's not the one who will accuse you or condemn you, which you kind of expect. But it change, you shift. And then imagine Jesus just telling the accusers to go away. They don't belong here in your life. They're telling you lies. They're holding you back. And just Jesus stands up and looks you in the eye and says, I don't condemn you. Go, dear one. Go without the accusers. Trust me and allow me to heal that wound. And invite Jesus to give you a new truth. Replacing the lie, the accusation, with truth. What does Jesus say to you? What does he call you? How does he look at you? Wow. And take that as the truth of who you are, whole and healed and able to move on to being a different way of being without the lies that condemn you, but the love that lifts you up and believes in you. Mm. Amen. Wow. Wow. That was really good. Mm. Wow. I am so glad we did that. Thank you. That was beautiful and powerful for me and I'm sure our listeners. Mm. Well, let me tell you, I've never done it quite that way. So it was a Holy Spirit thing. Yes. I believe that too. Oh, good. I'm so glad that has been a interestingly, um, that has been a precious story on this podcast that we have reviewed in many of our seasons. We're in season four and we've talked a lot about the woman being stoned, um, mm-hmm. and about how the elders left first and, um, they were the wisest. And so just even us, as we grow and we're listening, we're trying not to be the accusers, but right. just so beautiful for us to be in this spot, which we're not always in this hot seat, like you mm-hmm. said, spiritually, when we do our Enneagram work and how nice for us to get this chance with you. So thank you. And one thing that struck me when I wrote the that part about the, this, you know, the narrative of the story is that everybody left. And there were people there that were eager to hear from Jesus. They were his followers and everybody left. So sometimes we have to even recognize the accusers are those 
spiritual, I mean, that they're, you know, that we can be those accusers, as you yeah. said, or we have accusers um, yeah. in the spiritual realm. So, yeah. And yeah. they're close sometimes. And so what was helpful for me was when you said Jesus sent them away. And I thought, you know, even if people are close in our lives and we're thinking this is a family member, extended family, whoever it is, friend, one of my most important lessons in life that I even still needed when I was doing this exercise with everyone was this person does not have to have power. Like Jesus yeah. does send them away and you have permission to send them away. So that was very like that changed me from feeling secure to peaceful. It was like, Jesus is here. So I'm secure, but I'm not yet peaceful. And now mm -hmm. when you said, you know, you have a little space, Jesus isn't going to let them bother you. I was like, oh, now I'm at peace. <laughs> yeah. And, and then comes the benediction. Not necessarily rejecting the, those people like we'll never have them in our life anymore, but it's yeah. the accusation. Right. that they, that they have, mm. we perceived or they've actually done. Mm. Yes. And that's really, really powerful because most of the time we're not going to not have those people in our life, but the degree that their influence sinks in will be different. The way we relate will be different. Um, and we're also, like you said, holding intention that they have their own accusers and part of their own drama triangles, et cetera. So, yeah. yeah. So we're, we're just grateful for the peace that comes from that. And then like, I love the benediction of now, you know, now rise up and live out what I've called you to do. So that was exciting too. Yeah. Go and live that way. Yeah. Mm. Oh, mm. wow. Thank you. I really, I just know our, I can't wait to hear what they did. I'll have to ask on Instagram too, for those who join with us there, but tell us now that we've kind of walked through some of this with you, how can we do some of this work in our marriages together? And you might even want to tell us how did you and Jeff, or how do you make sure you don't do some of these spiritual bypasses as a couple or family too? Yeah, that, as I told you earlier, it, one of the hallmarks, I think, of our marriage is that we both have done our own inner work. Mm. And for the first, you know, I don't know how many years of our marriage, boy, I thought he was supposed to be saving me, you know, mm. that it was all up to Jeff that and when, you know, he was a social three out saving the world and I was home with kids and mm. yeah, so I was mad a lot because he wasn't fulfilling his role to save me. And then I embarked realizing, wait a minute, he's, that's not his job. He's yeah. not even capable of it. He's, you know, can love me and care for me, but he's not capable of healing me. And so we started courageously pursuing our own inner help. And I started, I had to own up to my dependence or my, you know, bypassing my spiritual mm -hmm. life onto him or anyone else. And they were always disappointing to me. Yeah. Um, and then I had to get serious about my own inner life, my own. And, and we did some pretty intense individual therapy mm -hmm. um, so apart from each other, not to heal our marriage, but to heal ourselves. So that when we came, we could be more whole in our in our relationship and it made a huge difference when I took him off the hot seat of being the answer for all my needs and turned to God and turned to my own inner healing and recognizing my wounds and my patterns that so um wow. and he did the same I mean we really and we were in a community of people that encouraged that um when we were in the young life staff 
um, there was a lot of encouragement. And so you need other people to encourage you to be whole so that you don't, they don't kind of look cross-eyed at you. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, no, let's all lean into being whole people Mm. in our marriages. But you know, and that, that equipped us for ministry as well, instead of being a wounded, you know, broken, trying to look to, for that to validate us. Mm. Um, And so it's a lot of work. And there were times it was really hard. And we did a lot of staying up till all night long, working through some big arguments. Mm. Um, but wow. we stayed in the game, you know. That's just so much courage as a nine for you to do that. I mean, some of our like, say, eight, six couples are like, we do it and we pull through. I just heard from somebody in an eight, six this week and they're like, but when we do it, it's golden. But like to do that as a nine is a lot of courage. And I'm just so impressed that you did it. And it tells me that you had God on your team. Right. And it would take it. I mean, there were times I'm just, you know, wanting to scream because Mm -hmm. he he, Jeff had a harder time hearing my heart and nines when we get clear on something and try to express it, try to communicate it. And it's not heard. It's a double whammy of mm. feeling like you don't, you're dismissing me, which then creates another level of anger and frustration. And so we, that's what we had to, st- I had to just say, stop, <laughs> You know, and he's, he's, he would have it right on the tip of his tongue. And I would, you know, it'd have to be kind of a day later. You know, what really made me mad because I had to process it longer. And then it was like, well, why good- did you say that yesterday? Because I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's so, I've heard that so many times from nines yeah. in session. Yeah. Well, Fascinating. Some time I need yeah. to process this. And then I'd come back with a vengeance. You know, we, we've got that passive aggressive thing. And man, when I was aggressive, I was aggressive. Yeah. So, and wow. probably more unkind than he ever was. So, wow. <laughs> because oh. I had to say it, I had to figure out, I had to explode in order to get it out there. Cause I held it in, for, you know, so trying to be so peaceful. And then it just, oh, you know, the volcano erupted often. (laughs) Right. You hear about that nine volcano, the Mount Vesuvius. And sometimes it sounds like the eruption happens after the fact. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a couple of days later and then like, wait a minute. Isn't that old news or years (laughs) later? Really? Yeah. And that's something nines are, you're helping us to understand why do we see them come out with things much later? Or there's a tendency, I'm putting up uh, air quotes here, but to not forgive or to hold on too long. And sometimes I'm hearing you say it's because we're finally unblocked and we finally have taken the time in our spiritual journey to feel our feelings and in our emotional journey. We're no longer doing the emotional bypass and now we can name it. Right. And being married to a three who's a future oriented vision. I mean, he does not look back. Mm. He's just like, well, when did that happen? Or, you know, those are old tapes. He'd say to me, that's just an old tape. And I go, well, yeah, it is, but it's still alive and well, you know, in me. And yeah. so us having two different orientations to time as Suzanne Stabile talks about, you know, he's futuristic and I'm kind of look, I'm mulling over things. And, you know, that would create some conflict too, because he didn't understand why I was still bringing up old stuff, but the old stuff was still there. I just yes. hadn't processed it. 
So yes. And also I'm interested in the fact that a lot of times I notice, and you can tell us if you've ever experienced this with Jeff, if threes are dealing with underlying with their three, six, nine inner triangle dynamic of the anxiety of let's push through this yes. without fully processing it. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, and he wouldn't, even, he wouldn't really know how he felt either. He just wanted to get on with it. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's, okay, we're good. All right. And sometimes I, we would end big discussions and he'd say, okay, are we good? And I'm thinking, no, I'm not really, but you've got to, you're, you're off. So wow. I'm not going to keep beating this, you know, because mm-hmm. he just, he just wanted to get on with it. And mm-hmm. so that would be his bypass, I would think. I and would too. Yeah. You, I'm glad you shared that with our listeners. Cause I bet there's a lot of threes listening who are familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, we're good. Yeah, let's go. I know. Mm-hmm. But so. threes and nines have that in common in, in that way of like really needing to sit with themselves, right? Especially, of course, you're saying here, I'm the one to one nine and he's the social three. So I imagine, like you said, um, that there's this dynamic of needing to sit apart for a bit. Yes, yeah, for sure. And there was a season where I really had to uh, push him away. Because mm-hmm. his voice was so loud oh, for me, in me. I mean, he's not a demand. He is not a controlling person at all. But his voice for me was loud. Yeah. And because of his, he's a dynamic personality and he's mm-hmm. tall and he's big, and he, you know. And so I had to push him away for a while in not uh, obviously separating, but just, yeah. I just need to not listen to you. Just go away. I'm not going to talk. And I had to go away on silent retreats by myself because I had to find my voice. I had to find my center instead of it being me being in his shirt tails, kind of following him along mm-hmm. and being lost in his wake. I needed to find my own wake. And that's really where the book came, you know, that's where this whole new season of my life, the book, my spiritual direction, all of that came out of that journey of having to, because I was a stay-at-home mom. And so those four kids also dominated my mm-hmm. agenda mm-hmm. and I didn't know my own agenda. And so in surrendering to God was hard, honestly, because I felt like, well, if I surrender to God, mm-hmm. then I don't matter. There's nothing left of me. And that was a miss, you know, poor theology, but that's what I used to believe is that, oh, I'm supposed to become nothing. So God becomes everything. And then I feel like, well, then I don't exist. Mm. And so I had to really work through that. That was a big journey for me. Mm. And here I am. Mm. It's amazing. And people mistake it when they think, you know, that you can isolate a scripture about loving others and not realize how precious you are to God. And I can see how as a nine, that felt even a little harder because you're like, I already kind of come from that standpoint. And now, you know, going into this, sometimes I still see this practice and at least in name, sometimes I see people saying you can't love yourself. Um, And I just, um, honestly, I, I don't even think it's practical. Most of those people who say that are living a very high, um, you know, the life of, um, you know, wealth in terms of they get a lot of their needs met. So they ultimately may be saying that as an ideal, but then they are, of course, refreshing themselves and we're not even judging that. But um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just reminding us all together that uh, that's great that you picked up on that. And I hope our listeners will too, that as you're emptying yourself for Christ, you're also allowing his love to come into you, right? Right. 
And my, yeah, and my favorite chapter in the book is the last one, Glory to Glory. And that was really the beginning, first where I started with writing this book. Mm. But one of the things I realized that Jesus didn't make people less and less. He walked, when he was on this earth, he made everybody more and more. And we've had this bad theology, this bad idea that we be, are to become less and less, but no, yeah. he makes us more and more and more and more. And the other thing that you jumped on is when I was in spiritual, you know, younger was the acronym Jesus other joy was mm. Jesus others you. And I always saw it as a hierarchy. So Jesus yeah. first, yeah. then others. And then there's you was well, a nine and probably, you know, like in our Christian culture, it was, well, there's no room left for you once mm. Jesus and others are first. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized it really doesn't spell joy, it spells depression. It spells mm -hmm. it spells anger. It doesn't that's not joy if they're right. not all being um, equally nurtured. So right. Oh, that's really a great insight. I'm glad you were able to notice that. Like something that's working here. And yeah, this um, doesn't feel like joy at all. And it doesn't even feel like the Jesus who picked somebody up and says, you matter, you know, like live a life of fullness and love. And it doesn't feel like for I created you in my inmost, you know, and I'm getting that wrong, but I created you in my inmost being like, it doesn't have the ringing of Psalm 139. So I'm excited to hear you remind our listeners, especially our nine listeners and our three listeners, but all of us, you do matter. You are beloved. And there we speak to the four. I think that four and all of us, when you went through that exercise with us, um, just to really remind us, but thank you for telling us also what one of your favorite chapters are, because I love to hear that from an author. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the first one that I had in mind when I started writing, because okay. it was so powerful for me to realize we're on a destiny of glory to glory, not to mm. less and less. Mm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And then because a lot of our listeners, in fact, I just recently had a poll in one of our groups. A lot of them do have littles right now at home. Do you have any thoughts for them on just the when? Did you recommend when you started this journey, um, rising early or taking advantage of babysitters? Like how did you start to get some nurturing either maritally or spiritually? Yeah, good question. It's, yeah, no, those years of littles. Yes. Dear bless you all with yeah. the littles. Yes. <laughs> those are intense years, and I'm watching my own children do their littles stage, you know, and, mm -hmm. and see. Um, I'm grateful that there's more co-parenting, equalizing mm -hmm. co-parenting going on, mm -hmm. um, where the, the dad, you know, in our culture, in, you know, my upbringing, that wasn't or when yeah. Jeff and I were raising our kids, that wasn't so much the social norm, but now it's, I, I just enjoy watching my, the other parents parent well of, mm. with my kids. Anyway, um, littles, you have to find time to get away. And it's sort of a, and some of you, you're also working. And so with littles, and so that's a lot, and, but you need time to refresh your own soul. Whatever it is, get a babysitter, mm. go away for a weekend, um, find space for your own soul to have a little glimmer of a voice and a little sense of yourself. Yeah. And find something that you love to do, even if it's a simple hobby or um, going out and have coffee with a friend. If what, think about what really refreshes your soul, like, oh, I needed that. 
And now I can keep going. Um, What is that? And honor yourself because you can get lost in like, I, you know, like a sock in the dryer gets lost in the pile. And so honor yourself because you, you need to be that whole person for your children. You need to be that whole person for wherever you find yourself serving and working. And if you don't do that, you're going to just be um, a pile (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not, not able to really persevere and endure through these years. So, Uh and I would say the other thing, and don't get too hung up on trying to type your children with the Enneagram, just let them be Mm. and grow and develop. And they're going to need Jesus someday. So you're, you being the imperfect parent will actually not be a bad thing for them. (laughs) Oh, I needed to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. They, someday they're going to say, oh, my mom wasn't perfect. My dad wasn't perfect. I think I need Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I need somebody more than my parents. Um, yeah. We've always said our kids are, you know, we'll pay for counseling. You probably need it from our parenting. But uh-huh. it goes so fast. Yeah. But I hated to hear that when I was in the middle of it because it wasn't going fast at all. Mm. And yeah. so, um, but just keep that. You need to come at the end of it as a whole or as a whole person, not a shattered, fragmented person. So, Which is interesting because when my kids ask for space that I actually need to replenish, I think the second they're in your lives, whether you've adopted or they're birthed from you, there's this sense of like, when I'm not together with them, there's a missing piece in every sense of the word peace. And and yet, if you don't do that, like you said, you're going to cause your kids to do a spiritual bypass. And then um, they're going to be messed up anyway from that even more. So you do need to have some faith to say, we're taking this date night. You know, I know you're tired. I know you're cranky. But even if they're a baby, I remember my friend was just on recently on the podcast and I can remember babysitting her son. And she's like, I don't use the cry out method, but I have to have you babysit. So I had to sit there practically with earplugs because he's like, I've never been without my mom, except when you babysit me for two hours a week. So he, you know, screamed like a freight train, but she needed those two hours. (laughs) He's fine. (laughs) And they'll remember that. They'll remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as our kids honored us this weekend, oh. they, they for all four of them gave us a little toast and gave us a word, oh. which is amazing. Yeah. And they really talked about we nurtured our marriage and that it was mm-hmm. bigger than them and that they oh. always knew that we were in their corner, but we always knew they, they always knew that Jeff and I were in our, our, own, our corners with each other. And that created a lot of stability for them. Mm. Oh my gosh. That just gives me chills. Permission to launch well. We're not going to keep you back here triangulated in the system, uh, protecting one of us. This is a really great honor they gave you to say, hey, we know no one did it perfectly, but this was a beautiful childhood with you ultimately because it was real. Right, right, right. Wow. And you're working hard. So thank you for everything today. As you were saying that, you know, take a little spiritual retreat, five minutes, a whole weekend, whatever it is. I was thinking, take Marilyn's book with you. It's so good. I'm going to be doing that. So so I'm going to continue to pour through this book. It is a gift. And please let our listeners know where they can find you and your beautiful book. 
Okay. Well, thank you. This has been an honor to be with you. Really refreshing to my soul as well. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so my website is marilynvansel.com. Okay. And so you can reach me there. I love hearing from people. Mm. And the book is will come out October 18th, but you can pre-order it before that and get the first three chapters downloaded Ooh. if you fill out a form. So you kind of have to find that i'm on instagram is marilyn bansell marilyn bansell author is my facebook you can get all that information and the book is called beyond the enneagram and it's really Mm -hmm. available anywhere you know on any retailer book retailer amazon and otherwise um wow so and you can just go to my website and find the link to order the book so and, you know, the other book too, self delude I've, I've alluded to that book a lot in the new book. So if you don't have that, it's also, that's my Enneagram book. So if you okay. want to know where I'm coming from the Enneagram, that's my Enneagram book. So. Okay. Woo. Thank you. I'm glad yeah. that, that one's going to go on my list too. And yeah. what a you fun, need, yeah. To, that <laughs> to get the, the gist of the new book, really. Wow. Okay. So. That's, that's great to know. And yeah. I just, I think that your journey as the one to one nine, it's obvious the work you've done. Like, I think we've seen it even here today, as you explained how much you help others, how much you've reached out in faith to go beyond just the one to one to the world. And yes, you still help one to one. That's still a great strength for you, but you have really shown that you have a voice. Like you said, with God, it's been more and more. So thank you for being that for us today. This is going to be spread out there too. So thank you, Marilyn. Krista, it was wonderful to be with you. What an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You guys, thanks so much for joining us. I have Marilyn's information for her website and spiritual directing and both of her books in the show notes along with her Instagram. I am so honored that she came and joined us to walk us through a much needed spiritual moment and really grateful for you to just be with us as well. Here we are together. We are listening. We are walking through it all season by season. And as we step into October, let's be brave as we plan well for these family ties and doing our own work amidst. Okay, bye-bye guys. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.